Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We've come up to chapter 11, and we're looking at a message called Blessed to be a Blessing. We're going to focus on the nation of Israel uh, in part of this message, but we're going to go back and look at the beginning of the Jewish nation. So if you'd bow with me, let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, and we're so grateful that your word is inspired, breathed out by God, profitable for everything we need in life. It's the very words of God. Thank you that they've been captured for us. Thank you that the book of beginnings explains so much about life and the conflict of the ages and the line from which Messiah would come. Give us understanding, Lord, to your heart, why you did these things, what your purpose was. Help us to have a clear picture of biblical revelation so that we might know you better. We might know the God of the Bible better. This is not just about knowledge, it's about a relationship, a deepening understanding of the world from your eyes, Lord, and with your heart. This is not only about the present, it's also about our destiny. It's about a new Jerusalem and a millennial reign of Christ and hope beyond just this present existence. So Lord, give us your eyes tonight, give us ears to hear, and a heart prepared to receive the word which is able not only to save our souls, but to build us up in our most holy faith. We lay this time at your feet. May you be pleased with what we do and how we hear and how we respond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Genesis 11, verse 10, blessed to be a blessing. These are the records of the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old and became the father of Arpachshad, two years after the flood. So you might want to note that this record is two years after the flood. And we have Shem, and Shem rises to the surface because Shem is the father of the Shemites or the Semites or the Semitic peoples. So the reason that the focus now centers itself around Shem is because the line of Shem is the most important when it comes to the Bible. Here's why. Because from the line of Shem will come a man named Abram. Abram will be renamed Abraham, and Abraham will father a son named Isaac or Isaac, and his name means laughter. And then will come a son named Jacob. Jacob will later in the book of Genesis be renamed Israel. He will have 12 sons, and those 12 sons will become the 12 tribes of Israel. And from one of those tribes will come the Messiah, and he will come from the line of Judah. And so the Bible narrows the focus here for us to understand. And if you're fairly new to the Bible, one of the things to understand about the Old Testament is that the Old Testament is really about the people of Israel. Now, other nations are talked about. Babylon comes up. Egypt comes up. There's, there's mentions of other nations when it comes to the Bible, to the Old Testament especially. But the main record of the Old Testament focuses on this line of Shem. And this takes us all the way back to Noah and all the way back to Adam. 
You might ask the question, well, why is the biblical focus on this line? Because from this line will come the Messiah. And he's already been predicted in Genesis 3.15 in the famous fall chapter where Adam and Eve blow it and they're hiding and they're trying to cover themselves. And God makes a promise that from the seed of the woman, a Messiah or a Savior will come. And that's been, been called the pre-evangel or the kind of the uh, prophecy of the coming Messiah or the prophecy of the coming Redeemer or the gospel. So we have seen now, we just did a message on the Tower of Babel and we saw the problem at Babel. Mankind gathered, they had one language and uh, they began to build this tower and it was a ziggurat. And this is where the signs of the Zodiac come from. And God came down. And remember, in that section, God confused the languages. And he told the people to go out and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But they all kind of isolated themselves. And they were in this area of modern-day Iraq and a place called Babel. I mentioned to you that Babel, originally the idea of the name seems to be the gate of God. Some people even believe it means heaven's gate. And it seemed to be a name that reflected people who were trying to reach up to God. But the name Babel now has been known for confusion because it's at that location that God comes down and confuses the languages and I told you the job site probably would have been pretty funny because they were, you know, they built the tower, they would have been building the city with construction crews. And when God confused the languages, nobody could understand anybody anymore. Everybody was literally speak, speaking Greek or whatever to one another. And so they were forced to go out and they huddled in their groups where they had common language. And people have asked the question, well, where did the different races come from and the different languages and skin colors? Well, what you have is, as the languages were confused, the peoples went out and they went to geographic locations. And you all know that if you have a family, let's say that you have three or four or five kids, the kids are all going to look different. And if they all spread out to different regions, people, they start to take on the characteristics of that line. Some of that could be determined by climate and geography, but some of that just is from DNA. So groups that began to huddle in specific geographic areas with certain climates and certain gene traits began to reproduce, and they began to take on certain characteristics. And that's basically what we have as an explanation for where all of this came from, where the races came from, etc. What does evolution have? To explain this, nada. I mean, there's so much complexity when you just think about all the spoken languages that are happening in the world right now. But this is the biblical explanation. And you may say, well, what about skin color? Well, there's just slight changes in, um, what's the word, melanin? Yeah, I mean, pigmentation, there's slight variations can make light and, and dark skin colors. And one of the things just to take note of is I'm Italian. I have a little bit of olive skin. Some people who are African American are darker than others. Italians, some are darker, some are lighter. If you want to call someone uh, who is uh, 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 Caucasian, there's variations in color. So basically, this is how the human race spread out over the planet. 
and variations of language came in here. And the line of Shem becomes the focus. And that line is going to lead to the Messiah. The Bible tells us in the Messiah, in Jesus, John 1.4, was life, and that life was the light of men. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verse, uh, I think it's verses 1 and 2. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, this is where the account is leading. So look at verse 11. Now, what we're going to have here is a list of names. Are you all ready? I did not practice these names, but I believe that we should take a shot at it, don't you? All right, here we go. And Shem lived 500 years, verse 11, and he, he became the father of Arpachshad, and he had other sons and daughters. And Arpachshad lived 35 years and became the father of Shelah. And Arpachshad lived 400 years, 403 years after he became the father of Shelah, and he had other sons and daughters. You'll notice that in this particular genealogy, as compared to other ones, previous genealogies said he lived this long and he died, and he died, and he died. The focus doesn't seem to be death here. It seems to be more life. He lived this long and had offspring. Uh, Shelah lived 14, 30 years and became the father of Eber. Eber is where we get the term Hebrew. And Shelah lived 403 years, and after he became the father of Eber, he had other sons and daughters. Eber lived 34 years and became the father of Peleg. And Eber lived 430 years after he had become the father of Peleg, and he had other sons and daughters. By the way, Eber is the 14th from Adam, and Abram is the 7th from Eber. I'm just going to read a text note to you, which is interesting. Um, Eber is the 14th from Adam, 2 times 7. 7 is the number of perfection. Abram is the 7th from Eber, making him the 21st from Adam. So if you take 3 times 7, 7 is the number of perfection, 3 times 7. This, this suggests perfection from the divine, or perfection of the divine plan, Abram being the 21 away from Adam. Just interesting side note. Peleg, 14, lived 30 years, became the father of Ru. And Peleg lived 209 years. You're going to notice lifespans begin to de decrease after the flood. People have questions. Why did people live so long uh, in the pre-flood world? Well, some of the explanations I've heard is the water canopy that uh, kept out water, uh, ultraviolet rays. I've heard some experts who are smarter than me say that as people traveled out into the world, it could have been the difficulty of travel combined with climate. It could also have been interbreeding and things that could have happened in terms of um, uh, the gene pool and what if mutations and that kind of thing. But most scientists, I think, chalk up the lower lifespans as you move away from the perfection of the world and the post-flood world to the ultraviolet rays getting through and so forth. And so you're going to notice that people are having children younger and they're living less time. So Peleg lived 209 years after he became the father of Reu, and he had other sons and daughters, verse 20. Reu lived 32 years and became the father of Sarug. And Reu lived 207 years, and after he became the father of Sarug, he had other sons and daughters. Sarug lived 30 years and became the father of Nahor. 
And Sarug lived 200 years after he became the father of Nahor, and he had other sons and daughters, 24. Nahor lived 29 years and became the father of Terah. And Nahor lived 119 years after he became the father of Terah, and he had other sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Some scholars would say, finally, we've come to this point where we're going to come to this people group that will become the focus, and Abram is going to become the focus of this line. Notice that in verse 26, Abram's father was Terah, and when scholars look at the sermon given by Stephen in the book of Acts, which we'll touch on in a moment, they question whether or not Abram was the firstborn. You'll notice in verse 26 he's listed first, but that's not necessarily because he was the firstborn, but because he had prominence. And we we can see this in other places that we've already talked about. Now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, and he'll be renamed Abraham later in our Bibles. Nahor and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Now that name's going to be familiar to you guys. And Lot is going to be significant in the book of Genesis. And Lot was Abram's nephew. Lot's dad is going to die. And so it seems that Uncle Abram kind of adopted Lot into his family. And Lot added gray hairs to Abram's head. We have brothers in the fellowship that say, you see these gray hairs, baby? I've earned every one of these. Can I get a witness in the back row? But now they're not necessarily all gray. Now they're just departing, which is a bigger problem. But you can chalk it up to your lots in life, if you know what I'm saying. Everybody's got their lot in life. <laughs> well, for Abram, Lot was the guy. Now, we are told in Second Peter that Lot was a godly man. But Lot still made some mistakes. And Abram had to rescue him. And then, you know what happened with Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, which is a later study in the book of Genesis. So though Abram is named first over his three brothers, like Shem, which we've already studied, he was not necessarily the firstborn. R. Kent Hughes comments, he says, let me fix this for a second. He says, it seems best to understand that Terah was 130 when Abram was born and that he lived 75 more years until the age of 205. You can note Genesis 11.32. Therefore, it is likely, according to Genesis 12.4, which says Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, that he was not the firstborn, and Terah had Abram when he was 130. That's a little debatable, and there's some other views of it. But Abram's name means exalted father. You might want to write that down. Or it could mean um, the father is exalted. And some scholars believe that Abram's name mean, could mean the father is exalted, i.e. God is exalted. It would be cool it, to have a name, but more than that, to have a life where when someone looks at you, they say God is exalted in that person's life. Is that you? Can you say that, you know, my main drive as a man 
or a woman is that God is exalted in my life. Now, Abram will be re- Abram will be renamed to Abraham, and his name is mentioned in Genesis seventeen five, and he becomes the father of many. So his first name is exalted father, or uh, that his father be exalted, and then his name becomes father of many because he'll become the father of what many nations. In fact. If you think of Abraham, he's probably one of the most famous people that have ever lived. And some people would argue he's the most famous person of the Old Testament. In fact, when you read the New Testament and you consider what the Jews said, they would always go back to Abraham and David. That seemed to be their two main heroes of the Old Testament. And so Abraham is this prominent figure in the Bible. And here it is mentioned that he has two other brothers and his dad's name is Terah. Interestingly enough, Abraham is mentioned 312 times in 272 verses in the Bible, just in case you wonder about stuff like that. And Terah, his father's uh, name means either stationed, or some people say the name Terah means delayed. That's going to be important for where we're headed, verse 28. And Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. So all of a sudden, something happens to one of the sons. And that is Haran perishes. And notice he dies in the presence of his father or right before his father. To lose a son must have been very hard on Terah And I know that um, some of you have experienced losses recently, and maybe some of you have even experienced the loss of a child. And I cannot say that I know personally what that is like, but I can feel your pain and sense that that's got to be a very difficult thing. And Tara, that happened to him. Uh, Sometime in Ur, uh, this this son of his, Haran, died. And uh, it happened in Ur of the Chaldeans, which is a well-known, uh, famous location right there um, in the area of the lower Euphrates. And uh, I'll talk about the location in a second. But it's the in the ancient Delta region uh, near the Persian Gulf where the Tigris and Euphrates rivers flowed together. There are some people who argue that Ur the Chaldees should be further north, but I think the best archaeology is that it was south on the Persian Gulf and right where the Tigris and Euphrates rivers come together. This location, some of your study Bibles will say this, was excavated by Leonard Woolley between 1922 and 1934. So excavations occurred and they found a very prominent advanced city in mathematics and art. In fact, I heard one pastor say this was the first place where they found hot tubs. Hmm. Make Ur pretty cool, right? The in, How many of you enjoy a hot tub? Is that pretty cool? Yeah. So they dug up hot tubs and they... But one of the things that Ur was really known for was a three-level ziggurat where they had worship, idolatrous worship going on, and they specifically worshipped one god that was well known there, and he was the moon god. And according to Joshua 24, Terah and 
it seems to imply Abram were idolaters. So you need to know something about Abram. Abram is not officially Jewish yet. He's not officially a Hebrew yet. He is from the line of Shem, so you could argue he's Semitic in that sense. But he's not called the Hebrew until until Genesis 14. So God is about to set apart the Jewish people. And he's going to start the whole thing, if you will, with Abram. And whenever someone talks about the line of Israel, they talk about Abraham, Isaac, and who? And Jacob. So Abram's the guy that starts it all. But when he starts it all, everything starts with a call. And he's about to be called out of Ur of the Chaldees to a land that God says he's going to show him. Can you imagine, guys, if you were going to tell your wife this news? Honey, God's appeared to me. We're supposed to leave our family, our relatives, our household. Well, where are we going? Uh, Well, God didn't really say. But he said he'll show us when we just start moving. How many of you ladies would be on board with that? Now, this is pretty much a driving principle in my life. I like to get in the car and just try to figure it out. My wife, usually not on board. Now we have those gadgets so we can talk to that thing on the phone, right? What's her name again? Sari, right? Help me, right? So it's a little easier now. But this is the call Abram gets, and I want to just park here for a second and say to you that it would appear that when Abram was called, he was not necessarily a believer in Yahweh. He may have been an idolater, but it would appear that he met God in Ur of the Chaldees, which shows you something, because this was ancient Mesopotamia, and it tells you that God can show up anywhere. He doesn't just show up in Jerusalem. He doesn't just show up. He can show up in a place that's steeped in paganism and speak to somebody. And that's what he did in Abram's life. And he called him from a place that was filled with idolatry and paganism and moon worship and all these gods and goddesses. And that's where the initial call for Abram came. Everything that happens to you as a Christian starts with a call. Everything. And the question in your life is going to be this. If you've received a call from God, are you following that call? That's what the life of faith is about, by the way. And we're told in the book of Romans that we're to follow in the footsteps of Abraham. And we're to, we're to follow God's call, even when we don't completely understand what's going on. And that's what Abram did. And Abram may not have even been a full-fledged believer, but he saw something. In fact, Stephen says, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham. He saw the light of God. God literally appeared to him, and that changed his life. And when God speaks to you, the true God, and you've only known what is false and dark, you can't help but want to follow. Amen? Hopefully that's, that's the case for all of us. It starts with a call. But if Abram would have said no or not responded, and I'm going to show you where it seems like he parked for a while, what would have happened? God can use somebody else if you don't obey. But everything starts with a call. And sometimes God refines your call. Sometimes he recalls you over and over again as you fight him. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Anybody been fighting God lately? 
Anybody been saying, oh no, I won't go like Jonah? You guys have heard the, the story of the skeptical atheist guy, and he, he meets this new budding Christian. She only knows John 3.16 and a few Bible stories. And this atheist is beating her up, and he confronts her, and she's gone out to street witness, even though she's pretty new, and he's beating her up. What about this? What about evolution? What about those stories in the Bible like Jonah? Do you really believe that Jonah was in a great whale or fish for three days and three nights? How do you think that happened? What are the mechanics of that? And he's beating her up. She goes, sir, I don't know. I don't know. But one thing I know, when I get to heaven, I'll just ask Jonah how it happened, and he'll tell me. And the atheist said, well, what if Jonah's in hell? She said, then you can ask him. (laughs) Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio today. Excited that you've joined us. Tell a friend about the program you're hearing here. And please keep us in prayer. We have some uh, exciting open doors for new radio stations. We have some exciting opportunities for some new time slots. And we could really use your prayer and your support. If you can give to the ongoing ministry of Living Truth Radio, we'd deeply appreciate it. It takes funds to be on the radio, and we're not a huge congregation, and we appreciate the support that we get from radio listeners. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire and you don't have a home fellowship, you're not connected with a local church, we'd love to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The radio ministry that you hear Monday through Friday on your station or on the weekend is really just an extension of the normal pulpit ministry in the life of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And for those of you who are out of state or out of our area, we consider you family members as well. Uh, Living Truth certainly doesn't replace your local church, but We know you listen, and we know you're praying for us, and we appreciate it. Thank you for the support that you give to us, the encouragement, the emails that you send. We we deeply appreciate it, and we know that even when you don't send an email, that you are still part of what's going on and part of the listening family. And we, we appreciate you, and we look forward to interacting with you again. If we can be of any help to you, send us an email or a message through the website, livingtruthcorona.org. Or you can call us Monday through Friday. We're here 9 to 5 Pacific Time at 951-735-2856. God bless you. Thank you for listening and we'll catch up to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org. Or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.